Hello, and welcome to Book Club of One. I am Jacob, a librarian, and through the course of a year I read a lot of books. Join me as I detail and share my impressions of the books that have entertained or educated me the most. Welcome to the first cannibalized episode. Here you'll hear about books already featured in prior episodes of Book Club of One centered around specific themes or seasonality. For this episode, we'll be looking at works macabre, horrible, or ghostly to help us get in the mood for Halloween. Our fourth book is Security by Gina Wolsdorf. So this one also takes a fictional premise and goes to extremes, but I feel like this one is a less broad audience. So I think it was featured in a Book Riot article, but uh, when I was trying to locate that one from 2021, I was not able to find it. So security is about the terrible truth about Manderley, is that someone is always watching. Manderley Resort is a gleaming new 20-story hotel on the California coast. It's about to open its doors, and the world, at least those with the means to afford it, will be welcomed into a palace of opulence and unparalleled security. But someone is determined that Mandalay will never open. The staff has no idea that their every move is being watched, and over the next 12 hours, they will be killed off one by one. Uh, that is the official summary. So in looking at, uh, at the book, I do need to be a little cautious in how much I discuss, as there is a major twist that is hinted from the beginning, but made clear quite later in the book. Uh, so between that twist and the stylic stylistic choice or potentially gimmick depending on your view of it of having split paragraphs to show events taking in place in more than one location is what made me feature this book so how that works is throughout the events of the book they might have uh the, the killer appear doing one thing while some of the other staff in the hotel are doing other things so the author has handled this by having side-by-side -side paragraphs or maybe a little split uh section in the text to kind of show the different things that are viewable through the security system. So Goodreads summary and some of the other official summaries bill it as a blend of romance, thriller, and a mystery. And if we're all honest, it reads much more like a slasher film. Gory deaths with some touches of humor and slapstick. There is also a very belabored and tired love story. The, the main character is Tessa, who is basically the, the assistant to the owner of the film, uh, of the uh, hotel, Manderley Resort. And she's visited at work by her adopted stunt motorcycle riding brother, who has finally come to tell her how he really feels after they've been apart for so many years due to the death of his twin brother. So yeah, a lot, lot, lot of stereotypes and tired themes. And unfortunately, it does fall into this flash, slasher stereotypes where some of the first people killed are the minority characters. And it is mar the whole book as, is marred by uh, the poor choice of having the only gay character portrayed as a lazy, duplicious prankster. So read, read if you're interested in the slasher theme, but uh, it is still somewhat problematic. Book four takes us back to Halloween with Tiny Nightmares, Very Short Stories of Horror, edited by Lincoln Michel and Nadzeli Nieto. So Lincoln Mitchell is a white American writer and editor. 
He teaches fiction writing at Sarah Lawrence College and Columbia University. Nazeli Nito is an American Latinx poet, author, and editor. Nieto is on the board of Latinx in Publishing and an editor of Literary Fiction. She is the editor of several anthologies and is currently editor-at-large for Flatiron Books. I came across this through Book Pages magazine under their featured Halloween books uh, in the same article that Strange Women from last episode was featured. So Tiny Nightmares is a collection of over 40 new short horror stories by emerging and established authors. Each story of 1,500 words or less uh, in includes works by authors previously featured in this podcast, such as Stephen Graham Jones and Brian Evenson. So unfortunately, I was not able to, to get to this in October because it would have made for a great Halloween read. Uh, the stories are divided into four rough category groups, uh, such as the body and viscera, and those are provided with uh, uh, some drawings to, to help separate those columns. But lots of ground is covered across these stories. So we have body transformation, strange events, supernatural events, mysterious murders, witches and magic, dystopian futures, doppelgangers in space, and so on. And they do offer some different formats and ways of telling those tales. So we have a traditional story, the narrator-driven story, uh, and even one choose-your-own-adventure. And looking through these, if a story doesn't click or resonate with you, you're not losing much by reading, reading on, because again, they are very short. Uh, and with that in mind, you can read these in small installments or in a few sittings. You could probably get through most of the book. Aside from the authors previously mentioned, like Stephen Graham Jones and Brian Evenson, uh, I think a particular favorite of mine was Guess by Meg Ellison, which is one of the earlier stories about someone who uh, is completely accurate in their predictions of the future, and that, that plays out uh, when asked how people will die. So starting with book three, we transition back to fiction, and we'll be talking about fictional books for the rest of the show. So our third pick is Weird Women, classic supernatural fiction by groundbreaking female writers from 1852 to 1923. It was edited by Leslie S. Klinger, an American attorney and author who is a noted literary editor and annotator of classic genre fiction, including the Sherlock Holmes stories and the novels Dracula and Frankenstein, as well as more contemporary works like Neil Gaiman's The Sandman Comics and Alan Moore and David Gibbons' Watchmen graphic novel, as well as the stories of H.P. Lovecraft. He worked with Lisa Morton, who is a screenwriter, author of nonfiction books, Bram Stoker award-winning prose writer, and Halloween expert. She has published four novels, 150 short stories, and three books on the history of Halloween. So I came across Weird Women uh, in a book pages magazine feature issue for Halloween October. Weird Women, as you get from the title, is an exploration of horror and supernatural fiction through 21 short stories as written by women from that time period of 1850 to 1920s. Stories that did not make the final uh, published volume can still be found through the blog Weird Women, which the, the link for that is available in the show notes. This collection 
as published include stories by Louisa May Alcott, known for Little Women, Francis Hodges Burnett, author of The Secret Garden, and Charlotte Perkins Gilman, author of The Yellow Wallpaper. So much more so than Dark Archives, this book was a wonderful Halloween read. I started in October 28th, but didn't manage to finish it in October. It happens. For each story, the editors offer a brief biographical sketch detailing the author's life and also discussing their writing history. Some of them only wrote a few short stories, others wrote widely and published several books. So it gives us a nice variety of those, as well as stating where the story was initially published. As with any short story collection you read, uh, it works better to be read in bits. Trying to read to finish this before it was due made the last three or four stories blur. And again, like any collected edition, some of the stories are going to be much better than the others. However, within the category of supernatural fiction, it's nice to see such a divergence of topics or creatures. So in these stories, we have one centering around werewolves, ghosts, hauntings, mummies, and mad scientists. Uh, my particular three favorites are The Third Drug by Edith Nesbitt, uh, which to try and give you a non-spoiler summary is a, a man fleeing robbers finds shelter with a lonely surgeon who might have more in mind than just helping him heal his knife wound. Lost in the Pyramid or the Mummy's Curse by Louisa May Alcott uh, focuses on Paul, Paul Forsyth when he returns from an Egyptian expedition with a box of mysterious seeds, and he and the professor he traveled with decide to plant them, and then they deal with the repercussions of what grows from those seeds. And finally, The Werewolf by Clements Hausman, mysterious woman visits a family, and whoever she kisses disappears and is assumed dead. Can a twin brother save his twin from her kiss as he runs off into a winter's night tracing the mysterious woman? So again, certainly worth an exploration. Our second book of the episode, Salvation Day, takes us to space. It is written by Callie Wallace, a white American fiction writer. She holds a doctorate in geophysics and a background in geology. She attended the 2010 Clarion Writers Workshop and has devoted herself to writing. Her short fiction has appeared in Clark's World, Fantasy and Science Fiction, Asimov's, Lightspeed, and Tor.com, among others. To date, she has published five books, with the latest being Dead Space, which was released in March of 2021. I came across this book through a book riot article titled The Call is Coming from Inside the Spaceship that was published in March 2021. Salvation Day is set in a dystopian future. The House of Wisdom, a massive exploration vessel, has been abandoned and left in Earth orbit after a deadly virus broke out and killed all but one of the crew. But now a cult seeking a future off Earth has kidnapped that survivor, Jazzwinder, Bhattacharya, in the hopes of securing their future. But when the ship was brought out of stasis, so did whatever it was that killed the crew, too. So Salvation Day is engrossing. I pretty much read this in roughly one sitting, or at least one whole evening. Uh, it changes viewpoints between one of the cult members, uh, named Zara, and Jazzwinder, and occasionally the perspective of others who are with them. 
uh, it is a medical horror mystery playing out in a science fiction setting. So the beginning, the setup of the book is uh, there's a shuttle of young hopefuls going off to space station to start their internships in the very beginnings of their career now that they've completed school. And the cultists capture that shuttle and divert it to the House of Wisdom. And then things occur and the group, the rest of the story largely takes place on that, that ship, the House of Wisdom. So it is a medical horror mystery playing out in a science fiction space setting. So while they're on the House of Wisdom, Jazz was the sole survivor. So he's reliving his buried memories as they explore the ship. So he's remembering what it was like to be on the ship, discovering what happened to, to the people who were left behind that he didn't know about. And some of them are in, found in, in rather surprising states that uh, certainly leads him to, to have almost a breakdown as he's exploring the ship. So if you recall from uh, an earlier episode, uh, the Children of Time focused on an arc ship setting out from an older Earth with an academic need to translate. And there are some similarities in this. So there's an arc ship involved in the plot and uh, the work of an academic does play into it, particularly as you learn more about Zara's background, but not wishing to spoil too much. I'll leave that to you if this sounds interesting. For our final section, we're going to be doing something a little different. The last two featured books are by the same author. One of them I really enjoyed and the other not so much. And like many other books this episode and the show in general, they both could arguably center on what would you do for your loved ones or family. So the first of these two books is Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay, who is an American author and editor of contemporary horror, dark fantasy, and science fiction. His short fiction has appeared in the Los Angeles Times, Entertainment Weekly, online, and various anthologies. He also currently serves as a member of the Board of Directors of the Shirley Jackson Award. So I'd first begun to be interested in Tremblay's works by that New York Times 100 Notable Books feature, where his uh, collection of short fiction, Growing Things, was listed. And this and the next book were both available for my local library. Survivor Song is about Dr. Romola Rams Sherman, a British pediatrician transplant, and her eight months pregnant former college roommate best friend Natalie, and they are seeking to flee the spread of an infectious disease in Massachusetts, despite the fact that Natalie has already been bitten. So this book is zombie-related, but the, the rabies is the method how, for how the zombiness is spread. It's not the traditional coming back from the dead. In fact, one, at one point in the text, it even says, quote, it's easier to say zombie than a person infected with a super rabies virus no longer capable of making good decisions, end quote. And it's not just humans that are affected. Other animals are. In fact, the book starts by discussing treatment of the wildlife by airdropping the preventative medicine. So I am going to echo things I saw in many of the Goodreads review, and that this was a very unintentionally well-timed publication, as it was very creepy to read amidst our pandemic, because the book opens with characters in a lockdown only journeying out of the home for food or medical needs. 
And I know I've mentioned before in the show that the zombie fiction genre is one I like to read from. And my, often my favorite parts of those books, specifically in World War Z as the example I think of, the best parts or most interesting to me are the w- explorations of the way society breaks down. And here in Survivor Song, we have the erosion of trust in others, failures of needed emergency services, both the police and medical, and linking up and splitting up from other survivors as their competing priorities lead to brief alliances that splinter when they are no longer meeting those goals. So if you like horror or zombie-related fiction, you might find something to like in that. So our last book of the episode is The Cabin at the End of the World, also by Paul Tremblay. And again, I found this from my local library. So The Cabin at the End of the World is about seven-year-old Wen and her two dads, Eric and Andrew, who are vacationing at a remote New Hampshire lake cabin when a stranger unexpectedly appears in the driveway. Leonard is the largest man Wen has ever seen, but he is young, friendly, and he wins her over almost instantly. Leonard and Wen talk and play until Leonard abruptly apologizes and tells Wen, None of what's going to happen is your fault. Three more strangers then arrive at the cabin carrying unidentifiable, menacing objects. As Wen sprints inside to warn her parents, Leonard calls out, Your dads won't want to let us in, Wen, but they have to. We need your help to save the world. So where Survivor's song was fueled by the spread of a disease, here we have kind of a sing uh, we not kind of, we have a single location, and it's the, the terror of home invasion. We also have multiple viewpoints, as each section is broken up into the viewpoint of those four strangers and Wen and her family. And with that hyper-focus on the small scale of that cabin and the area immediately outside of it, we do hear reports from the wider world, but it's unclear, really, what is happening. Can you trust this information you're provided? It is a struggle to keep loved ones safe in unexpected situations. And there is also a possible sub-theme of acceptance, as Andrew and Eric are a same-sex couple. I don't recall if they are married in the, but they are definitely cohabitating. And we get their a biography of each of them talking through their upbringings and coming out to their family and the strains involved in that. And there is a, a subplot related to a hate crime against one of the characters when they were in a bar. So for this one, the stakes are pretty well settled from early on. The strangers want to get in the cabin, and it it's more than likely they will. So then it's just a matter of what's going to happen to the family. And most likely, they're not all going to make it out. It begins with them talking about capture, two of the characters talking about capturing grasshoppers and putting them in a jar. And that is a nice shortening of the story. The characters are those grasshoppers in the jar, and we'll see if they make it out alive. This has been another episode of Book Club of One. Thank you for listening. 
I welcome constructive criticism and book recommendations, or even if you found a book through this episode and want to share the story. Feel free to reach out through Instagram and Gmail at Book Club of Uno. Book Club of One is recorded and distributed by Anchor.fm. And remember, no one should be shamed for reading.